This is Joe Basso for Music Radar, the place for music makers, and I'm speaking with Ingve Malmsteen. Ingve, is it safe to say you're a guitarist extraordinaire? Uh, <laughs> I think that's probably to, to, to decide on. You know, I, I definitely, I'm definitely a guitarist. Yeah, that <laughs> that part I can say. Yeah. But now, am I speaking to Ingve Malmsteen or Ingve J Malmsteen? Uh, well. It, Ing the F Malmsteen, no. Uh, <laughs> seriously, that, that that doesn't matter. I mean, uh, in fact, you know, a lot of times I, I've been trying to explain, too, uh, that I have a different name than Ingve Malmsteen as well. That, and that is Rising Force. That is me as well. So uh, <laughs> okay. so just, you know, that, 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 that those are the one and the two, two same things, you know. Well, speaking of Rising Force, you do have a new album coming out called uh, Perpetual Flame. That's right. And you're now using Ripper Owens as your singer. That's right. It's a little bit of a long story, but I'll try to make it uh, more quick. Basically, what happened was that this album was made, it was done quite differently than any, well, actually really differently than any, any other album I've done before. Uh, because they, the, you know, the traditional way I would have done it, most people would do an album, is that you start writing it. Then you like you know you put down some demos and then you show them to the guys and you put down the drums and then the bass and the guitars and then you know you know you put the vocals down and then whatever the rest of it and mix it then you go on tour and you tour on that album right. then you come back from that tour and start the procedure over again so it's like a cycle now on this particular record I didn't do it like that at all I, I was touring on uh, Alicia Fury and I was back coming back home I was just kind of throwing down ideas as, as I went along, just without any sort of uh, idea of when and how new albums going to come out of it, you know. And so I just kept on doing that. And then uh, I had the songs, and then I went on the road, uh, back and forth. And then I went into the studio with Patrick, my drummer. And uh, we started putting down like 30 tracks or whatever. And I went back on the road again, and so forth and so on, on and on and on. And as, as the songs progressed and songs took place, took uh, shape, I realized that because I write also the lyrics and the, the, the melodies and, you know, I arrange the songs to, 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 to like a whole thing, you know, like I'm, I'm very particular with the lyrics and, you know, I really spend a lot of time on that stuff, more, more than anything else, really. And when, when I started, like, you know, again, the, the tracks, you know, so they were, were close to what I ended up being, I realized that the singer that I had at the time, he was definitely not going to, you know, that wasn't going to work out, you know. And um, it's a little bit like casting a role, you know, uh, like you need, if you need Robert De Niro to play the role, you can't cast Pee Wee Herman, you know. I, I don't remember exactly how we got together, but we, we talked and we've done something before, but not really, kind of. Anyway, so I invited him down, and we came, he came down and we did a couple of songs that, that were completely ready. And, and it was just, I mean, because on paper it was perfect anyway, but the, the chemistry had turned out to be perfect also. So we just decided to do it. And really, really, it's cool because this summer we were out in Europe for like two months touring. So we know it works live too. So it's an awesome thing. You're obviously most famous as an instrumentalist and have put out instrumental albums, but does it bother you in some way that you've worked with so many lead singers that you haven't worked with just that one guy? Mm, no, no, it doesn't, no. Uh, it Sometimes it's a bit frustrating that people seem to, to forget that I'm not an instrumentalist per se. I did... I did one record that was mainly instrumental because I was in a band called Alcatraz and the record label wanted me to do an instrumental album so I wouldn't interfere with the singer that was in that band. And that was the only reason, which is very ironic because that, that album turned out to be like sort of like the template for instrumental records. And that's not what I intended to do. I, I was never into that idea. I always wanted to do, uh, write songs. 
And I always want to put a, a, a great operatic singer onto what the, the pieces that I write. And so that that's not never been my intention, ever. So it's a mis misconception, you know. That's not what I am about at all, you know. I mean, when I do a complete instrumental, that would be with the symphony orchestra, you know. But uh, when I do rock and roll, I, I, I mean, I did uh, an interview, or actually, I think nine yesterday. And uh, it was one of the guys, he says, oh, man, you should just do instrumental. Your guitar can carry the whole thing. I said, well, thank you for that. But, you know, to me, that's running with three wheels, you know. I want that because to me, the expression I can do by writing the lyrics and having them delivered by, you know, someone like Ripper, you know, it's, it's an awesome thing. You know, sounds like Death Dealer and, you know, whatever. And so, so I'm very much into that, actually. In fact, I spend the most time, if anything, on that. Has Ripper been able to ingratiate himself into the style of your music, the neoclassical elements? Oh, he fit it right in. I mean, he—he was—it was like the thing is, I've had, as I said, you know, as you know, I've had many singers, and they're all good and all right, you know. But the thing that I hear, and, and that, like, you know, the, the, not only the, the operatic sort of melodies that I write, but also the actual delivery, the, the punch of, of, you know, and, and the range of it. He's got all that. So it's it's a really a perfect combination for me, you know. I, I I really really enjoyed it. Of all the tracks on the new album, and let me get the title right, Caprici Diablo. Yeah, Caprici um, Diablo. Yes, that's a that's a pretty amazing track. Tell me how that came about. It's funny. That's a good question. Thank you. Uh, basically, what happened on this record, and I pretty much I applied the, the philosophy on all of it, which is more is more. You know, that's my philosophy. If somebody said less is more, and I, I, I don't agree with that. Less is less, more is more. Having said that, I, I, in a in, in comical way, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy to, to, to go to the extreme of things. And uh, in, in that sense, the whole album is really that way with the vocals and the drums and everything. But when it came to the instrumental piece, I, I decided to really push myself as much as I possibly could. I must have been having a good day or something that day because I, I, I listened to it like, oh, sh how the hell am I going to do that again, you know? <laughs> so it's very difficult to play, but, but uh, I enjoy it, you know? And that's why I call it the Devil's Capriche, you know, which is, you know, a little funny little thing there. Now, how long, how long does it take to record a track like that, which is so intense, so elaborate? How, how long does it take you to get that just right? Uh, well, that's also a good question because what I, I knew I had to do it, and I, and I kept on putting it off. And by the end of the session, you know, like, like my engineer and I said, okay, well, today's the day, you know. I, it took a day. I, I did. I, I spent well, no, no, I spent about uh, four hours, four and a half hours, maybe, yeah. which is quite a long time for me actually, because usually I don't spend any time on anything like that. I just do it, and then hopefully it's going to be good enough. That's, that's the way I look at it. You know, because if I, the way I play solos is everything's improvised completely ad lib. So if I keep on doing over and over, you lose that initial passion for it and becomes more like labor. Right? And, and I realize, although when it's a written part and it's very difficult, then of course I do it more than once. Yeah. Have there ever been times where you've bonked a note and it's turned out to be really cool and you left it in? Absolutely. Oh, I do it all the time. Okay. <laughs> There's, in fact, there's a song on the new album, on the song called Priest of the Unholy, okay. which I use, I use a wall pedal on it, on the, at the end of this outro solo. And I, I'm, uh, the guitar is actually going out of tune, and I, and I tune it right in the middle of the solo. But it, it doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound like I'm trying to tune the guitar, you know. Let me ask you how you do your demos. Do you use GarageBand or anything like that? 
No. I, I'm very, very old school. I have uh, two studios. One is a very, very big, like sort of like a soundstage place where we, we also rehearse, which, in fact, I'm doing today as well. It's a full, uh, full-on recording studio as well as a rehearsal room. It's a very, very high ceiling. That's where we do the drums. The other place I got is like a studio that's uh, four rooms, but it was it's, it's built inside my house. But it's not like a home studio per se. It's it's, it's really a full-blown thing with two-inch studios and everything like this, and uh, all the two gears. And that's where I do my demos. So it's a luxury indeed. I basically I have a little Marshall and the guitar in front of TV, and I always I watch news or whatever. I just sit and play. And I come up with an idea. I just run upstairs and I put it down, you know, and that's nothing is done, you know, in the computer and like that, you know, it's very uh, old style. And uh, that those things, sometimes if I get into, into it, I make it so that it's really a, 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 you know, kind of a completed song. Sometimes it's just a couple of riffs, you know, that, that I, I go, okay, I'll use them later or something like this. So it's, it's, a, it's never exactly the same procedure, you know. Let me ask you about the Fender replica that is being made of your famous 1972 Duck Stratocaster. It's a 71, actually. Oh, 71, okay. Yeah, but but the thing is that that guitar has been uh, uh, through Ringer. I have had it since, I guess, 1978 or something like this, maybe 77. Uh, It's funny, I got it, I saw it in a store, in one of the stores in Stockholm as a kid. I saw it, I, 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 wow, I really like to have that one. You know, I love that look, you know. And uh, I didn't have the cash to get it then. Right. So when I actually got the money, I, I get, went back and it was gone. You know, so I oh, said, no, no. And uh, so that, a couple of months later, whatever, a year later, I don't know, uh, I'm auditioning drummers. And this drummer comes around and he says, I'm actually a guitar player, but, you know, I need, I want to get the gig as a drummer. I said, okay, fine. Well, bring a guitar anyway, I said, for a joke. And he brought, it was that one. And I oh, said, my. I'm buying that from you. You know, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, I am. <laughs> and that's how I got it, you know, it's funny. And that's the guitar I took with me to America. With, uh, you know, I had that guitar and an extra pair of pounds, that was it. And it's also the one that appears on the cover of the first solo album, Rising Force. You know, that. so it has a lot of uh, little twists or turns. It's a limited run of 72, I understand? I, I think it was 100. But I'm not. I, I, I cannot be totally 100 percent sure about that. I think it's. A, I went to the custom shop just uh, like two, three weeks ago. I was at uh, their Fender University there. I went to their uh, thing and it was great. I mean, and they had about 60 of them made, and it was surreal, man. I mean, it was. I, it's hard to describe because it's so exact. I mean, it's so identical. You know, it's amazing. How involved were you with the process? Were you involved every step of the way? You know, they would do something and send it to you well but yeah yeah and I, w- I would look at it and but, but the thing is i have to say that uh john cruz and all the other master builders there they're so good man that that you know there was not much i had to do they, they came down and they hand carried the guitar from here uh they i didn't send it they they carried it you know onto a plane and, and to there and they kept it there for uh, for a while then i first saw it in frankfurt in in march i saw the first one they made and and i, I just shook my head in disbelief. So can you still whip the guitar around your neck like you did back in the day? Flip the guitar around? Yeah. I, I do it all the time. I do other things too. I play, I throw the guitar up high in the air, I play my teeth, I kick on it, you know, whatever. Play with my butt. You, you know, what, whatever comes to mind. I, I'm, I'm as crazy, if not crazier than ever, actually, isn't it, right now? Uh, I've, I, I cannot remember in all the years I've been doing this any more busy time for me. 
uh, this particular time in my career, right now, as we speak, is the most, it's been more things happening and things being going on at the same time. It's like unbelievable. I mean, in between all these interviews and, yeah, just the other day I flew up to New York just for the day. Five in the morning I flew to do the VH1 thing and I flew back at night and I was doing interviews in the morning, rehearsals at night, you know. So, I mean, all the touring and the new record and it's just uh, amazing. Uh, amount of things going on at the same time, which is really exciting, of course, but it's hard to. <laughs> and I should point out that we're doing this interview at 9.30 in the morning, which uh, for me is not exactly rock and roll hours. Uh, what, what do you? I, I, I actually get up really early in the morning. I love it. I love the mornings. I get up like 7.30 oh, my God. Um, every day. That's, that's not and, rock. Uh, that's if, I, if I have the time, I usually play tennis and, you know, and I go out and drive cars and enjoy the weather and you know I, I I'm just really much into that stuff I mean you know but you're you're a rock star you should sleep till four or five in the afternoon not anymore <laughs> <laughs> those those days are gone we have some reader questions a reader who goes by the name rising force 84 asks okay if there's any chance of you re-recording your rising force debut you know it's it's, it's actually been discussed yeah uh, it has been discussed. Uh, it's a funny question from from some other to have, but it actually has been discussed. You have to do a re-recording of the whole thing. Yeah. A reader by the name of the Dude Five asks, "Do you find your music to be erotic? My wife and I have enjoyed many erotic and sensual moments listening to your CDs. Have you had the same experience, either playing or listening to your music? And if not, whose music do you find erotic?" Uh, that's that's really funny question, uh, uh, and the answer to that is no. To me, it's uh, uh, I cannot use music as as a backdrop. It, it can't be something that is is just uh, you know there and 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 so forth and so on. So to me, like even if there's some music on TV or or in the radio or whatever on in the car, I, I analyze it. I listen. Oh, that's that that chord progression it should be. You know, there's an E flat in the bass there, and oh, the snare drum sounds a little. It should be a little more compressed, you know. So, you know, that would mix well with the the, the love making, so to speak. <laughs> you know. So for me, that's not not that's not the thing. But uh, good luck with that. That's good. Hey, whatever whatever works. Yeah, right? whatever it takes. You know. Uh, a reader who calls himself Guitar Nation says your guitar tone has changed over the years. Many of your fans miss your old, less distorted guitar tone. Is there a reason you decided to change your guitar sound, and why did you decide to change it? it, it, it listen to this, and here, here's, here's, here's how, how amazing it is when I do these interviews, the things I hear. Yesterday I got the question, when did you decide to make your sound less distorted? In other words, that person had, had, had the impression of my sound actually being less distorted now than it used to be before. Right. Okay. okay, and this is the same as I, I get sometimes questions like, "Oh, so, so uh, this this is much heavier than before. This is less classical, or, or this is more classical, or this is more this, that's more that." And you know, everybody has a one or another impression, which is fine. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I never have, a, I never, I never changed any of my sound or by, um, by on purpose. It uh, from the days. I think 97 or something, no, 95, I've been recording in the same room. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, in the earlier days, I used to record in studios that were, you know, different every time. 
And so that's where the sound always would be a little different. The setup's always the same. A reader who calls himself Ingvi <laughs> says, now that you have Ripper in your lineup, any chance of you covering a Judas Priest song in concert, like Free Wheel Burning? Uh, we haven't thought about that yet, but the thing is that there's no there's no songs even being decided on the set yet. Uh, so uh, who knows? A reader who goes by the name of Boomtown asks, "Do you ever want to go on stage and just your street clothes?" Uh, I do. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, uh, let's see here. A reader by the name of Godfrey wants to know if you would ever consider making an album with David Coverdale. I never, you know, thought about that per se, but no, I, 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 he's amazing. He's, a, I love his voice for sure. You know, he's one of my favorites of all time. You know, uh, I'm an old Purple fan. You know, as everybody knows, Burn and Stormbringer is one. Is, well, in particular, Burn is just amazing album. You know, a reader by the name of Whammy Man wants to know: Is there anything you would give it all up for? And I guess by that he means music or guitar playing. <sighs> I don't know. That now the, the thing is, it's funny, you know, because when I first came to the states, I would I would always I'd get some questions from people. Like, hey, dude, I bet you start playing to get laid, right, and stuff like that. <laughs> and 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 I, it, it always used to strike me as very odd because I had. But then again, I, I'm a little bit strange that way, you know. I played with a conviction and a passion and, and some sort of determination that I don't even quite know what it is myself. And I, when I started, I was got my first guitar when I was five years old. And it was just like, it, I knew so early on, I knew when I was just a little, 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 I knew why, my purpose in life, I, he knew, I knew what, what I was supposed to do. And there was never any doubt about it. There was never any sort of, oh, maybe this, maybe that, no. So, so it would be difficult for me to even answer that question, actually. A reader named Paul Hurley says he loves it when you slow down and play pure blues. Would you ever consider releasing a blues rock album, say, in the style of Gary Moore? Uh, probably not. The thing is that when I get often questions like, oh, do you want to do a whole instrumental album? Do you want to do an album when you sing all the songs? Uh, do you want to do a blues album? Do you want to do an acoustic album? And, and the answer to all of the questions are no. Uh, in other words, by saying that, I put out the music that I really love. I put out the music that I really want to do. I don't have anybody tell me you have to do this or how to do that. And if I did, did want to do something, I would do it. You know, like, for instance, come up, you know, the symphony orchestra, which what I always want to do, you know. Uh, I love the blues, I really do, but I think the blues can only be played one song. Because once you play the second one, you're playing the same song again. And that's where I find the limitation in the blues, you know. I mean, I love to, 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 to bust it out and... and, and, and because the blues is, you know, very much my background, you know, that's why I started sure. playing, you know. And so I do love it, you know, but I couldn't imagine doing 12 songs with blues, no. Uh, or, or all acoustic or all instrumental or all uh, me singing all the songs, for instance, you know. I, I, like, to, I, like, to, I like to be able to, to stretch out more, you know. The Dude 5, who asked a question before, asked another question. Is there any hip-hop music that you admire? I would find it very interesting to hear your comments on the genre. Have you ever thought of collaborating with any hip-hop artists and unleashing your fury? Uh, in all honesty, the answer for that would be a definite no. To, to quote uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, he said, Melody is music. Music is melody. If it's not melodic, it's not music. In other words, 
I would say hip hop and rap is 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 an expression of lyrics, and they forgot the music, forgot the lyrics. You know that meld I mean, and to me that is what it's all about. You know, when I play very heavy stuff, it's still melodic, so I keep it that way, and that's what I wanted. So no thanks. A reader by the name of Gibson wants to know. What's up with you and the dragons? In that video, I'll, I'll see the light tonight. You battle a dragon with your guitar. Yeah, that's so funny. This, what happened was that uh, somebody had the idea of shooting the video at Universal Studios at the set of Conan O'Brien. No, not Conan O'Brien. <laughs> Conan the Barbarian. Oh, yes. Uh, they had a set like where they do that, that uh, like a show there. So in the middle of the night, we would have that set. And there was a dragon that was blowing away fire and stuff like that. Oh, that was cool. And... And, you know, I, I thought it was pretty cool for the time. Uh, in fact, I threw the guitar up in the air, and the, the, the guitar fell down the hole, and right, and, and it crushed the, the dragon's head. You know, which was not a very popular thing. But um, that, I guess, I mean, that was my idea actually. I did that. Still, thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> a reader named Jack Krim says, "Ingve, I love your playing. You're obviously a strat master, but why, oh why, do you never play a Les Paul?" Les Pauls are beautiful guitars. I have a few of them, actually. I have some really nice Les Pauls. I have also ESD-35s, SGs, Flying Vs, a lot of Flying Vs. Um, I got a couple of SGs. I don't remember if I said already. Uh, I started playing guitar when I was very, very, very... I, was not, I wasn't even a teenager. I was just a little, little boy, little baby, you know. And the first electric guitar I ever had was like a Strat copy. And so I grew up. I, my body actually grew up holding this instrument. And that's the main reason. Uh, plus, of course, I, was, I love the way they sound. I love the way they look. And, you know, I mean, as far, as far, to, to me, that's the ultimate. You know, that's the Stradivarius, you know, of the guitar. How, having said that, I really like Gibsons, too. I think they're beautiful. And I did use it for some rhythm tracks on some of the albums about 15 years ago. I did a couple of rhythm tracks with it. Um, I had a gold top, Les Paul, on that. On that. And, it's you know, it's just, they, they, to me, they feel... That it's just, you know, it's just a thing where you your your body adapts to something, you know, and that's it. When you first came over to the states, you developed a bit of a reputation. You were quite boastful in the press, which created a bit of a backlash against you. Do do you regret those days? Do you wish that you would have handled it a little differently at the time? I probably would have, you know. But the thing is, I was just a kid, and I, I didn't. Um, I was a kid from a different culture, also. Where, 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 I, where I grew up, it was, it wasn't a thing to be humble or nothing. It was, it's more. Like, I grew up on the street, you know, type yeah. of thing. And so it was a little bit, a little bit. I mean, of course, it was bad, you know. But, but it's such a long time as well. I mean, this, we're talking 20, almost 26 years. You know. Well, Ingve, thank you very much for spending some time with me. Thank you. This is Joe Basso for Music Radar, the place for music makers, and I've been speaking with Ingve Malmsting, Ingve J Malmsting, uh, Rising Force. Are there any other names? <laughs> Are there any other names? Ingve J Malmsting. So don't confuse it with all the other Ingve Malmstings. You know? Okay. Hey, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All right. You take care.